reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from Father, we're grateful today that there's a blood that's speaking for us. Lord, we're grateful that that blood, it speaks better things than the blood that spoke even for Abel that day. Lord, it speaks of our restoration. It speaks of our healing. It speaks of forgiveness. It speaks of all that we have need of. And Lord, may you hear our voice under the blood today. Father, without that blood, where would we be? Who would we be? But Lord, we're thankful for the atoning power and that it speaks for us. Now tonight, Lord, as we open your word, would you minister to us one more time? Granted, Father, bless your people that have gathered. We have needs. We have different situations, and we're asking you to come and minister. We thank you for your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to musicians. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. We will read a little longer portion, but I want to give a little context. We'll start in verse 20. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of the mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto you, unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto you, Bethsaida, for the mighty works which were done in you, for which were done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee would have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable, tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. So there's one picture that Jesus is, is bringing here. And he's talking about that which was manifest among them, identified by the works. And he refers to that several times. And he says, the works that were done among you should have brought something further forward. And he's telling them that you're going to be under a greater judgment because a greater than Solomon was among them. Now in verse 25, just to carry the thought through, he says, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father. Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. 
All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whom soever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Jesus was identified by his works, but he was known by his characteristics. And I will use that just as a subtitle, and I'll just make this in the form of a question. What am I known by? What am I known by? Turn with me to John chapter 14. I'm really perhaps laying a little bit of seeds, some thoughts that I want to build on for Sunday. So I'll be basic in some of my thoughts today, but I will use them as a springboard. For Sunday, John chapter 14, if we just pick this up in verse 5, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. Now, that's quite a statement, and, and, and later in John 14, I won't go to it today, but at that day, you shall know I am in the Father, the Father in me, and I in you, and you in me. So here, it's, it's um, Thomas that's saying this and asking him this question, how can we know the way? And Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. So there was something happening before their eyes that they could not distinguish in their natural thinking with their function of the brain, but it was something greater that was happening at a subconscious level. And that's a little bit of where I'm going today because we often will try to reason things and rationalize things and figure things and why did this happen and where are we going and how does this fit? But really, the subconscious is what leads us, is what we, we know Christ by and what he directs us to, to go by. Now, in verse 8, Philip says unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest then thou, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? And the works that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. I, I, I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time with this, not so much today, but I'll bring it further. 
Jesus never proclaimed his own works. He never proclaimed that he was something, but he always went back to what the Father was doing in him. Neither do we in ourselves have something we can proclaim and that we can say we are, but rather it is the Spirit of God, it is the works of God that identifies who we are more than what we say we are. Okay, so let's, let's go a little further. He'll say this now in verse 11 and 12. Let's just read this. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, it's a great day that we live in is the day of it's a day of identification. Show me who you are. Give me an ID card. Everywhere you go, you got to have an ID card. you got to have something that proclaims who you are, says what you are. And, and all of these things are part of the age that we live in. But yet, we ourselves, we, we, we can't make a declaration of ourselves. And I, I'm, I'm taking this from a natural to a spiritual a little bit. But Brother Branham would say that we are living in the age of personal identification. And so, let me just take the true first and I'll go back. In, in Christ the mystery, his presence in the individual with a personal vindication of himself, expressing himself, the living word that's promised for the day. Expressing himself through you a vindication of the great revelation of God. Look, only in an individual, never in a group. Now, we can say, I belong to such and such a church. We can say, I listened to such and such a minister. I attended such and such a meeting. I did all of these things. Those are all good. But they themselves are not our identification. The identification is, uh, we, we had wonderful meetings, and I, I thank the Lord for them. I believe there was prayers answered. I believe there was deliverances. I believe that was a refreshing. And that's wonderful, but we don't just live on that. Now we, if, if that was true, that will carry on. That will live on in us you know, as much as we, we can love to go out to a restaurant and have a special meal, and, and that's wonderful, but we can't live off of that. We need home cooking once in a while. So this is home cooking, if that's okay. This is not a convention atmosphere. And so we, we and listen, neither is this a convention speaker today. This is just, just your pastor speaking, just something that's on my heart. I love going down the road and just driving and reflecting and thinking. And I thought, Lord, who, what you're doing and what you are to us and all of these things. So he'll say these things. It is not a group. It's a personal vindication of a pregnated child of God filled with the Holy Ghost, so surrendered to God that he doesn't care about anything else. And the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, living its life pulsating through him, 
showing the personal vindication of the word, expressing himself to the people and to the world. It was in the book of Isaiah, I believe it, I'm skipping a, 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 a verse here right now, Brother Mark, but in Isaiah chapter 4, in verse 1, it talks about a condition that is very much a condition of our age. It says, in that day, seven women shall take a hold of one man, saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel, only let us be called by thy name, so that we can take away our reproach. Well, that's the time that we live in. I believe in the province of Quebec, you actually, as a, if you're married in the province, you are required to retain your maiden name. Now, you can hyphenate, you can do it, but legally, you're required to maintain it. But yet, the married name of, of, a, of a church is not its own identity. It's the name of Jesus Christ. The, the identifying characteristic of our us is its anti-message tabernacle, but it's not just this tabernacle because when we get to heaven, there will be no anti-message tabernacle. There will be no Grunthal Church. There will be no Saskatoon Tabernacle. No Cloverdale Bible. We'll be identified by Jesus Christ. And if we can come to that, even in our thinking, that'll help us a long way down the road. By the way, greetings from Brother John Andes. We saw him, and I greeted the folks at End Time Message Tabernacle there from the folks at End Time Message Tabernacle here. And um, he just wanted to know if we had copyrights on the name. I said, no, it's all good. And uh, anyway, he greets you all. So, so if we look at this, it said, only let us be called by your name to that we can take away our approach. So it was a woman who wants to have her own identity, who wants to have her own way, her own pleasures, but at the same time wants the benefits associated with the name of her husband. I need you to give me a little more. I haven't had a preaching voice for a few weeks and I find myself straining already. <coughs> Thank you. And then it would say in verse 2, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. So in that day there'll be a false, but in that day there'll also be a true. There'll be a people who will be sold out, who will not have their own identity. Now when, when, when Jesus came, you know, it's, it's so easy if we look at the world, before I jump to that, Everything is based on your identification. We like to project who we think we are. You can, you can see that on, on social media. You can see, this is who I am, and we'll project ourselves. You know, you, you, can, you can identify as being a mountaineer, and yet you never can climb a mountain. You can go to Eddie Bauer, you can get outfitted with mountain climbing gear and everything, and you can take pictures, but never climb the mountain. So the, the truth is not in what we say, but the truth is in the works that follow us. And, and you know, people will take selfies and pictures and this is who I am and this is what I want to project. And this is it, but yet really it's our works that, that identify who we are. And not just our works because we're not just known by works, we're known by the characteristics of the spirit that lives in us. So jump with me over just to 1 Corinthians for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 
This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians, and he would, he would say this to them. Like, I, I use this to piggyback off of Matthew 11, where Jesus said, Learn of me. I am lowly. I am meek. In other words, you don't have to exalt yourself. You are sheep. You don't have to manufacture wool. You just have to bear wool. You, you stay in the presence of God. You stay in prayer. You read your Bible. You stay under the anointing of the Word of God. You stay under these things, and it will automatically live out from you. Now he would say in this, Paul speaking to the Corinthians, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifies. You know, you ever find yourself, you know, going through a real good spell and, and, and you're, you're just in the Word and the revelations are opening and things are good and, and you find yourself that way and then you've, you see somebody who's struggling, it's easy to look down in that moment. Oh, but God has to sometimes drop us down so that we can identify with one another. Oh, as, as I was listening to a tape here the other day and just, just on the road, I think I was out in a walk or something, talking about Paul on his high horse to Damascus, but God had to bring him into the dust. And he says when he was in the dust, then he got a real revelation of his place. And he says, now any man, you, when God brings you in the dust, stay there. Because if you get up above that, you're exalting yourself too much. Now it's paraphrasing, but I, I just want to put it that way. Now, Paul is saying here in verse 2, If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. We've had the message, and we can say we've had the message for 50, 60 years, and therefore we, we know, and, and we can sometimes say I've been around so long, and, and I, I, I know this, and I know that, and I can place this. That's just knowledge, but if there isn't a character that comes with it, if there isn't the character and the life of Christ, we miss something. So we need to have something, and, 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 and he would say now, if any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. Now that, that, that's, that's where I want to be known. You know, we, we, can, we can give ourselves categories. What does the world see of me? They might look and say, well, you're an oddball. You're this, you're that. And, and if, if, we, if, if, we, if we're worried about what the world thinks of us, we still haven't fully surrendered to God. And then we can say, well, what does the church see? You know, I, I, I've been identified in baptism. I've been, I, I do this. I pay my tithes. Well, they, those are all wonderful things, but they ought to flow out automatically. It's not by those that you're recognized and you have things because you can do all of those things and not have a heart Amen. for God in doing them. And then we can think, what, what do I project? Or what do I want to project? You know, it's, it's really interesting. We live in an age where social media has become such a, a big thing in sales and in marketing and in everything. And it's sometimes done so subtly, sometimes so softly. They have in this age what we call influencers. That, that's actually a title. 
You, you're an influencer. That words, in other words, you are, are there, you identify with a, a brand, a product, and you are out there to influence. So, so fashion companies have influencers. They lend their name to their product, and they'll make little video clips, and they'll send things, and they'll influence people. And, and it's subtle, and it does that. And, and we can do the same thing. We can say, well, I want to be an influencer. Or we can just say, I, I don't have an agenda. Let Christ be the influence that pervades everything I do. I, I don't, I don't want to have a, <coughs> a targeted agenda. Brother Branham would come in the message, India Report, Word Made Flesh, and he talks about a certain woman who had come out and was misusing the gospel, and he said, I developed a critical spirit against her. He said that. And then he said, now it isn't my business to go and correct her. He said, it's up to the Lord, but Lord help me that I can have the right attitude because the right attitude will come across that way. Oh Lord, let me be, let us be pure and innocent and humble. Let us just take, give me Jesus. I, I told you this is going to be some simple, basic thoughts, but just stay with me as I, as I move towards something here yet. Brother Branham would say this, and, and talking about personal identification, Jesus stooped from heaven to reflect himself in the form of sinful flesh. And who are you, or and who are I? Now that's what he says here. And who are you, and who are I? <laughs> To make a way for us to reflect God, to make a way to reflect himself in us by sanctifying us to the word. For the word says, when he did so, he did that so we could reflect his word. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Why? It was Christ reflecting me. A little while and the world won't see you no more. You'll see me, for I'll be with you, even in you, unto all the end of the world. Oh, let that promise live in me. Let Jesus Christ live in Edmonton. Let him live in my home. Let him live in your home. Let him live in our community, in our neighborhood. Let's never become cultish and clanneth. Let's express Christ. It's the greatest billboard there is. That's in the message, Identification. If any will follow me, let him deny himself. Now, on the level of the subconscious, I'm, I'm going to skip a couple of, of thoughts here, but I want to take them, I'll pick them up on Sunday. I want to get to something here yet. And, and uh, I'm just, let me take this. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Now, watch the action of those disciples. They knowed Jesus was the truth, but you see it was against the popular idea, the popular religion, and Jesus is the Holy Ghost in spirit. And again, he says, a little while the world sees, more, sees me, you won't see me, but you'll see me, not the body, but the life that was in him. God is upon the church to call sons that he did then to be obedient. Now, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees, and, he, and he, he's, uh, he, the Pharisees, and he tells his disciples, now, you see what the Pharisees are teaching. Follow that, but don't follow their works. 
because their works are their own works, but follow what they're saying in the, in the Word. And that's what we want to see. We want to see Jesus in his characteristics. Paul, as the first messenger, he would speak and he would say, and we'll pick this up, but he would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't follow the man part of me, but follow the part of Christ that is anointing my life and the things you have seen in me, and those things do and follow. Oh, I, 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 I'm grateful I can go back to a messenger. Amen. Brother Branham would, you know, we can sometimes in this last day, let, let me just say this. We can say, well, I, I need the Holy Ghost to make it. Absolutely. That's the truth. But let me say it this way. If you're a child of God, God will lead you to the Holy Ghost. And, and now don't put that off and leave it all on God. Just say, lead me to the place where you can make my promise, that promise real to me. You can't put pressure on yourself to give yourself the Holy Ghost. That's the last thing we want to do. We want to be able to say, Lord, let you in your sovereignty make it real to me personally in your time and in your season. I, 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 there's a whole part here that I have to leave off just because of where we're at today. Brother Bannon would say, now don't watch for miracles. Don't tell God the way you want it. Just accept it the way he gives it to you. Hold his promise and hold to it. The presence and manifestation of Christ, every promise he gave, for the Holy Spirit, for anything, accept it on the basis that His presence is here to do it. Now, I, I want to, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. I, I, I just felt to do this, and I was away, and I was thinking about the meetings and how we can come and enjoy the meetings, but we also need to understand that there's a God that is not just in meetings, but is stable in our everyday life. And uh, I, I went out for a walk, and I listened to a message, and it just ministered to me. And I want to play a part of that tape tonight, and I want to read first a scripture. Let's go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 for a moment, and I, I want to just take it because it, it, it's the Word of God that we've been given, in its simplicity, has life in it. So this is a portion that Brother Bannum Speaking of influencers, this is a good influence. <laughs> this is from a message, influence, but this is a portion of Scripture. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one <clears throat> had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And he then said, I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now the background story is that Isaiah had looked up to King Uzziah. 
which was the godly king. Now, he's calling himself a man of unclean lips. And he's calling the people that are around him also unclean. If we look to our humanity, and we don't want to influence in our humanity, we want the influence of God upon us. So here he comes and he's disappointed because Uzziah stepped out of his place. He, he tried to take his place in the temple and God just came and, and, and crippled him and, 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 you, and, and he smote him with leper, leprosy. And here Isaiah just doesn't know where to go and he goes to the temple and here God speaks to him. And in verse 6, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Oh, my. The blood will never lose its power. The blood speaks for us. The blood not only forgives us, but it brings us into our place. It shows us who we are in him. And then finally, he says in verse 8, Lo, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. So we'll, we'll just leave it there, Brother Mark, if you can get that ready. I just want to say, Who am I? Now, I, I, you need to take this on two levels. What is my intake and what is my outtake? Who you are will be out of a place of prayer. Who you are will be out of what we bring into our lives and also what we project out. And I say this, I want to have the Lord. I want to have Him. And I, I, I just went out and this was a blessing, so I'm, I'm sharing this. It's partly going into where I want to go on Sunday but for the next 30 minutes or so, we'll just be close the service at that point. Go ahead. As Christians should always watch what we do and what we say that we're perfectly honest to every man. And you, if you can't be honest with your fellow man, you certainly won't be honest with God. So how we serve God is if we serve each other. As honest as I'd be with you, that's as honest as I'll be with God. And that's the same way with you to me. We must be honest with each other in all of our dealings. And somebody is watching us. You may not think that, but these eyes watching you, and your life is influencing somebody. Maybe it's a little child, and that child may grow up to be a, another Finney or Moody or so forth. We don't know. But uh, your, your life is influencing someone. And our setting tonight is quite a great setting on this because just reading it this afternoon when I was studying, I was thinking how great God was this morning when my son and I were kind of walking around this block. There was It's just up the front here. Thank you. This morning when my son and I were kind of walking around this block, there was 
so many people. We went out around Times Square for they said they were going to tear it down. I think the, the work's already begun. So I was looking at that. We were taking some pictures and the people crowding. I said to my son, Billy, I said, where are they all going? What's the hurry? Here they are down beneath us running. You're running up above us running. I, where's everybody going in such a hurry? And as we stood, we thought this, how can God know the thoughts of every person? And how could it be that all the, the billions in the earth, and yet God knows every time you bat your eye, he's infinite. And if you just want to know, and just to satisfy that, if it ever comes to your mind, go out and look up at the stars and wonder how he controls all of those. Then you'll see what a little job this would be. When those stars, you can see 120 million years of light spaced through a glass. You know how fast tra light travels? Why, you could run a row of nines around the state of New York, couldn't break it down in miles. And beyond that's just as many stars as there is on this side. There Mount Palmer and Mount Wilson there in California, it may be seen. Think how great he is and how he holds the earth. This earth or one of those stars would move from its place millions and billions of miles away. It would affect this earth. That whole solar system has to stay just at its place. And see, everything God made like that obeys God, but when God made man, man seems to want to know more than he does, you see. It's, we're the only ones out of place. They stay in place, and they have to stay in place to coordinate with each other. For instance, the moon. If the moon would ever move out of its place, the earth would be filled with water in a few moments. See, the, the moon is, is rather like a, a watchdog of the sea. It set its bounds that it can't pass. And when the moon turns from the earth, here comes the tides in. If the moon didn't catch it around the other side, it would cover the earth. See, so uh, uh, the moon stops and, and he turns his back to look around the other side of the world. And, and uh, here comes the water's coming in real fast. And then he turns again. He's Jehovah's servant. Sea stops and goes back to its place again because it sees the perfect moving of Jehovah. Oh, if we in the church as the members of the body of Christ could only work in harmony like that, you'd see a great, mighty church of the living God all in one array filled with the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Every member of the body functioning just exactly to its place, ever gift to its place, ever gift helping the other, ever member helping the other. That would be wonderful. That's what we want to see. But we'll see it someday, and it will be right. Now, this young fellow, uh, Uzziah, was a king, but before he became king, he was a king during the reign of, of Isaiah the prophet. And um, he was a shepherd boy. He liked the outdoors. He was a great influence on on Isaiah's life, Isaiah was a young fellow also, just a young prophet. And you read the story, if you want to take Second Chronicles 26, it'll tell you how that um, at the age of 16, after the death of his righteous father, he became, they taken him and made him king over Israel. At the age of 16, he began to reign. And he had seen the influence of his uh, parents, his mother was a godly woman, and uh, his father was a godly man before him. And in that, it put the influence in the child to do that which was right. 
I tell you, I think today we have such a juvenile uh, crime wave across the nation, but really I think it started in the home. I, I think the parents began to let go, and if the child had been raised up in a good old-fashioned godly home, I don't say it would be uh, all over, certainly not, but it would certainly give that child the right kind of influence. I think many times that homes that children have been brought up wrong, turn loose on the street, and just live for themselves while the mother stays in a bar room or the, and the father and so forth, and they don't take care of this child. Another thing, they don't love it and give it the affections to take it up. It's young. You've got to teach it to love and respect and to read the Bible. I think of Suzanne Wesley. I think she had 17 children. I think that's right. But she found two hours or more every day to pray. Down at the uh, end of her dress where the little boys knelt around out there, produced a John and a Charles that changed the course of the world, saved the world in that day. And she didn't have a wash machine and a dryer as we have today and a dishwasher and so forth or made the thing that she did it all herself, but yet she could find time because she was putting an influence to some children that finally changed the course of the world. I think that's the old-fashioned mother, the old-fashioned home, where prayer and the understanding of the Bible, these Abraham Lincoln never owned a book in his life till he was of age, but the Bible, and I think it was either the Fox Book of Martyrs, I might have I been... Uh, another book, I think it was Pilgrim Progress to be right, it was Pilgrim Progress and, and the Bible. You see what kind of a character that molded? Just let me go in your house and see what kind of pictures you got on your wall. Let me go to your home or your office and let's see what kind of music's playing. What you read, what you look at, I can pretty well tell you what's on the inside of you, see, because it feeds on that. See? And all to home, if we made a home more lovely, children wouldn't want to run away, make things more for them, where they feel welcome and nice and comfortable at home, or home they can't hardly wait till they get there. And that's the way home should be. And I think that's the kind of a home that Uzziah must have been raised in because of the influence of his godly uh, parents. And as soon as he become king, he ignored all popular opinions and uh, all political uh, differences, and he set his mind for one thing, he'd serve God regardless. We need some more politicians like that. Uh, he, he was determined that he was going to serve God because that's the way he was raised and his father gave him the right influence that he, he could serve God and live. And his kingdom was so great till I believe it was next to Solomon's kingdom. I believe it's noted about next to Solomon's kingdom. How God blessed him. And this was a great influence upon this young prophet, Isaiah, who was at the temple at the time or in the land. And uh, I was uh, uh, seeing it how God would bless a man that taken the right stand, done the right thing, had the right motive and the right objective, and he done right. Sometimes you may think that it doesn't pay off, but it certainly does pay off. It's got to pay off. You cannot be going east and west at the same time. You can't be going right and left at the same time. You may think you're going the other way, but you're not. So if you'll set your 
your mind and eyes and uh, motives and objectives and life on the right thing, you've got to come out on the right thing. You can't fail. See? That's the only way, no matter how much you're tempted to do the other side, turn your head from it and do what's right. And you're, you know you're right. You feel better. And you are better. <laughs> and that's just all there is to it. You got, you're going to come out right. If you start going west, you're not, you're not going to be going north. You're going to be going, you're going to be going west. And that's the same way it is in right and wrong. And Isaiah saw this. And he saw that God blessed him and how he, all the nations around about his fame went from into Egypt. How the nations didn't want war with him. They, they seen that God was with him. So he just, uh, they sent in peace offerings and herds of sheep and things and, and give it to him uh, to cause peace. And he was a good man. And I believe if a nation or a people or a church or an individual, no matter how much the critics criticize you, just do the right thing. They have a respect for you. Way down in their heart, I found that to be the truth. Amen. See? Be honest. Be upright. People will respect that. Amen. And uh, even though they're wrong, they still respect it, you see, because it's, it's just a human being. We're all human, and we, we know that it is right and wrong, and we must take that. When, and Uzziah helped this standard. He was a great influence, as I've said, to Isaiah the prophet. And then Uzziah made that fatal mistake, just like many other people do. When he got, felt secure, felt that he just had the whole thing in his hand, he got lifted up in his spirit. He got lifted up to pride. Now, there's a real example for us all. You know, that's been the trouble. I'm, I'm speaking to Christians and, and ministers, and I, I want to be honest about these things. And just, that's where many ministers even make a mistake. We've heard so many times about uh, the ministers, uh, the acts that they do, and, and the things, some of them maybe to doing things they should not do. I think sometimes them are good men, a wonderful Christians that's been used of the Lord, and then finally they get a little kingdom built around them, or a lot of influence, many people attending their meetings, until they get careless. And they get kind of lifted up. The people applaud them and stand up. And, and uh, we, we shouldn't really do that. We Remember, we're just all, there's no big people among us. We're all just God's children, you see. If God made some of us one thing and some another, why, he may be with a finger and an eye and so forth. Well, uh, we got to appreciate each other. And not try to feel big because we're all connected together to one God. See? And we all come off of one tree. And now we find that many times ministers get the feeling just a little secure. And uh, they keep leading out. And the first thing you know, they'll do things that they should not do. And we know that many times righteous and good men will get so that they'll have too many uh, social affairs. Just uh, they want to go out to big parties. And the first thing you know, they'll call for a little drink once in a while, and they get a tangle with the world. And uh, I think that's what's the matter with our churches today. I think that's what's the matter with our Pentecostal move. Now, let me state this first clearly. See? You hear me say things about the Pentecostal church, and I am Pentecostal. See? But here, what if there was no Pentecostal people in New York tonight? Where would I go to preach this message to? I appreciate the Pentecostal people. They're my brothers and sisters. But yet, 
when I see something wrong with my brother, my child, or uh, be my wife, or whatever it was, right is right. A correct parent will correct their children. And I think that the trouble with our church, we try to get too much like the, the others. See? Uh, we try to act like somebody else, you see, and, and we begin to take on their habits. And the first thing, you know, it used to be, uh, I'll remember the Pentecostal people in their beginning, of course, they been many years ago, this last move from Azusa Street, but I took the history of it, and I, I've read many books and talked to some of the old men, fixing to have a meeting right now with one at Shreveport, Louisiana, he'll be there, was one of the first men in Azusa Street. And then, that's the beginning of Pentecost in this country, about 50-something years ago, I suppose. I preached the Golden Jubilee at the McPherson Temple, Nancy's Temple in Los Angeles a few years ago, the Golden Jubilee, uh, the 50th year, uh, Pentecost. Now, you see, but since then, there's been so many little things creep into the church because the church has to rub shoulders with the world each day. Now, as I don't mean to, to come back to this again, to, the, to our sisters, thing, our brothers. Many times, it used to be years ago, and it was wrong for, as I said tonight, for our sisters to cut their hair. It used to be a, a Pentecostal affair that they shouldn't do that. Amen. And they were saying, well, what is it? Now we go into the different parts of the country, and we find the, uh, the, our Pentecostal sisters with those waterhead haircuts, you know, them the big haircuts like that. And you can tell them about it, and they use makeup, they, they wear clothes like men. And you say, now, Brother Branham, you're picking on the women. Now, wait a minute, let me pick on the man, the, the brother that'll let his wife do that. <laughs> He's not a much ruler over his house. See? See, uh, see, you shouldn't do that. But what is it? We've rubbed shoulders with the rest of them. Some little weakling come in from some seminary or school and have a different idea of it. But there's only one perfect example that's right back to the Bible. The Bible condemns that, see? And it's not right. And then we find other things. It used to be it was wrong for uh, holiness people to, to attend bioscopes or movies, you know. Now they go all the time, see? And then Satan pulled a faster on it and put the television right in your house. He fixed it in there. But all these things that it used to be wrong. Well, what is it? See, it comes in so gradual until the first thing you know, it's a scotchy. It's like a vine growing around you. Now, if you keep that vine away from you, see, and just keep wrapped around Jesus, Hallelujah. around the Word, Amen. and stay with that, see, you'll grow straight. Amen. That's crooked, and it pulls you off the road. Christ pulls you up. Amen. That pulls you sideways. And then you see one woman, like a minister's wife or a minister, start doing a certain thing. His whole church will say, well, our pastor does the pastor's wife does it. Why shouldn't we do this? See, you're influencing someone and be sure that you're influencing them right. towards the right road and the things to do that's right. Now, we find out when you get lifted up, right then you're on your road down. See, when you lift yourself up. And we find out that this uh, Uzziah, he got lifted up because he felt secure all everything around him. He, he had his uh, uh, nation, and it was well taken care of, and God had blessed him, and he had great vineyards and herds and sheep and, and mines and everything, wealthy, and all the nations was at peace with him. So he, he just got lifted up. So he thought he could just do anything that he, he wished to and pride. 
He got so lifted up until he tried to take a minister's place. He went into the temple and took uh, the uh, censer and went to the altar. And when he did, the priest ran after him and told him he shouldn't do that. And when he was corrected, instead of being humble as he would have been before he was lifted up, he'd have said, that is right, I have no, no right to do this. And it set the censer down and handed it to the priest who was of uh, Aaron, ordained to do so, only consecrated for that service. I uh, travel uh, quite a bit with the, these are full gospel businessmen, many of them are sitting right here now. And I've got to speak at their breakfast uh, Saturday, Saturday morning at somewhat Statler Hotel, I believe it is. They said they already uh, sold 1,700 tickets for the breakfast already. So they, um, uh, uh, not long ago, I was speaking with them and they taking the businessman up on the platform, taking the text and preaching the gospel. I said, that's wrong. It certainly is wrong. It's hard enough for us preachers to keep it straight, let alone take a businessman's not ordained or something like that. That you bring in little ideas and so forth. And I said, you shouldn't do that. Don't never try to take the other fellow's place. God made you a certain thing and you stay that. So you stay just what you are. Don't try to impersonate the other. That's what always ruins our, the gifts that God sends to the world. We find so many carnal impersonations. And we find someone who tries to copy after the other. And like I said, as the lady minister, so Mrs. McPherson was living, and every woman minister wore those wings of that she did or what it was and had their Bible the same way and everything that she did, they did. We notice we got so many Billy Grahams today. But you see, God never made but one Billy Graham. That's all. He, and you're just as important as Billy Graham or Roberts or any of those famous men. You're just as important until you get out of your place. And then you're no good at all. You're, you're hinders to, to these men and you're hinders to yourself in the kingdom of God. Stay in your position. See? Stay what God made you. See? And then you'll operate right. As Paul, that's not nothing new. Paul taught the same thing. He said, the hand shall say to the eye because I'm not the eye or the ear say to the nose. I'll no more be an ear because I'm not the nose or something. You, you can't do that. See, it all... Gently sets together and moves as one great unit. And um, we mustn't try to impersonate anyone. Just be what you are. And that's the way God made you. You never fashioned yourself. And remember, as much as we ministers would like to take Billy Graham's place, we cannot do it. Neither can Billy Graham take our place. And we each one has something to do. The common little fellow here that may be a janitor. The little woman that may be a housewife, the greatest minister on the face of the earth today, could not take your place. You, God had a purpose in making you what you are. And you just serve God in that way that he made you. Now I think if we just do that, the wheels would roll a lot easier. Yes, it would if we would do that. Now I get lifted up. And we find out instead of when someone tells someone something scripturally, and we see that it's right, instead of of trying to humble ourselves to say, well, I, I, I've been wrong. You forgive me. And I, I didn't mean, I didn't, I didn't know that. So I just quit doing that. Well, then, instead of doing that, too many times we do like Uzziah did. He felt like he was too big to be called out. No, see? No. He was a king. No. And many times I've seen uh, ministers that way that felt that they were just too important to be told what the word was truth. Well, the days of miracles are past. 
I can show you where God ordained miracles. Now, you can't tell me where he ever took it away, see? And he ordained gifts. You never did see where he took it away, see? It's in the scripture. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. How long? To all the world, to every creature hears it. As many as hears it. These signs shall follow them that believe. See? We can't substitute something else. Just take what he said. And it'll be all right. And it'll work fine. But as long as we try to adopt our own ways. That's where Israel made their most rational mistake. When grace had provided them a pillar of fire, angel, a sacrifice, and delivered them, sent them a prophet, sent them a pillar of fire to follow them, to lead the prophet in the way, and when they come to Exodus, the 19th chapter, when they swapped grace for law, they did the most rational thing they ever did. But they wanted something that they could do themselves. That's the way we are. We got to have our doctor's degree, and if you haven't got it, you can't get in church. That's all. So, and uh, we must study the thing and find out whether it's of God. Now, we find out Uzziah got lifted up, and he didn't go to do it anyhow. He grabbed up the censer and tuck off, and you make a difference what... The priest said he's going in anyhow. And it was against the scripture. It was unscriptural for him to do that. Amen. It's unscriptural for your eye to impersonate anyone else. Amen. Right. So be what you are and be a good one. And fulfill your purpose so others can see you. If you're a housewife, be a real one. <laughs> see? If you're a, a husband, be a genuine. See? And if you're a deacon, be a... A genuine or a preacher, whatever you are, but don't try to take someone else's place. And then when the word calls you down on this, don't, if you do feel rebuked, then repent. Amen. That's all. Yes. Get right. That's the only thing to do. But Uzziah didn't want to do that. After God had blessed him the way he had, and yet he didn't feel like that he would do that. He felt he was going to go on and do it anyhow because he felt he was secure. But while he was in the, it kind of made him feel angry at those men, too, that was telling him the word of the Lord. And when he did, he rushed in anyhow, and we find out that in his face come leprosy. And he was a leper until he died. He had never could go to the house of the Lord no more. He died a leper. After he had seen the hand of God and how God had been so good to him and done the things he had, yet that man died isolated leper. Now we can do that. We've seen many things, but don't you never think that we're so secure that God can't put judgment up on us. Remember, don't try to impersonate anyone else. Be just what you are. If God made you a Pentecostal, you'd be a real one, you see. If, if God, but don't be ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to be a human being. I'm not ashamed to be an American. I'm, I'm not ashamed to be a minister. I'm not ashamed of the gospel that I preach. Because I know many of them think that I've lost my mind. Even my good old righteous mother that died a few years ago, when I first received the Holy Ghost, there was no one in our country know anything about it. And I was just a local, little young Baptist preacher, about 20 years old. But when I received the Holy Ghost, my mother said, that boy has lost his mind, see? But no matter what mother thought, I found a, a pearl of great price. It might seem like that to her, but to me, it was real, see? It was, it was a genuine something that I found in God because I always believed as a boy that this was the Word of God and it could never change. Jesus said, heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall never be changed. It shall never pass away. You can't 
uh, substitute anything to it. It's just the way it's written, and that's the way we believe it. Don't add nothing or take nothing from it. You're over in the book of the Revelation. It said, whosoever shall add a word or take anything out of this book, what the curse would be upon him. So just stay it just the way it is and believe it like that. And God will honor him. Now, he was smitten uh, because of his uplifting of pride. Got the feeling that there was, he's the only one there was. And uh, he'd do what he wished to and nobody else could stop him. We had a brother not long ago that I felt so sorry for him. Looked like everybody got out and accused the brother of doing something wrong, which uh, the newspaper accused it. But I, I got to thinking about that. Accused the man, and I really took up for him because I, I certainly didn't agree with him, but the man who uh, wrote an article and put it in a magazine that this man had said all these different things and done these things. And one night at a meeting in, in uh, Minneapolis, they told me that the writer of this magazine was there, and the article had just come through in the Christian uh, magazine, so I, uh, as a Christian digest, so I, they pointed the man out to me and said, that's him sitting there. And uh, he had in this article that uh, this minister had uh, wrote something, a book, that the man did not write. I know a lady wrote that book, and I knew the lady, uh, Biting of Devils. So I, I said, um, well, now one thing that I would say now, I might disagree with the minister, but I think if the, if the editor of this column, if he never checked his script no better than to say that this man wrote this article, and I know he did not do it, see, then I'm afraid a lot more things he said about this minister is wrong. And then I said this, I would rather be found even wrong, but trying to get somebody saved than trying to hinder somebody that's trying to get somebody saved. So I'd rather take the man's place at any time than to try to criticize or tear down what somebody else was building up even though they'd, they'd made an error, done something wrong. So we must watch, we influence others on what we do. Then when this man got stricken by this leprosy, when he got lifted up in pride, this was a great lesson to that young prophet. He found out by this being a great lesson to him that God orders his man to the place. See? Man cannot order himself. God orders his man. God makes you what you are. See? And God orders his man. And he must try to take another's place. And it was a lesson to Isaiah that he mustn't put his eyes upon human beings. For an example, he must put his eyes on God. Now that's us. Any man, any man is subject to mistakes. He's subject to error because he's human. He's subject to the violations of God's laws, and he's subject to many things because Satan tempts him, and he's just a human being, and if God ever lifted his hands, it'd fall, that's all. And uh, I've heard people say, oh, Satan can't do me. Yes, you just let God lift his hand one time and watch what happens. It's, uh, I constantly plead, God, no, don't send him, uh, have mercy on me, keep him away from me, you see. Uh, I need God's mercy, Amen. and we all need that. Amen. Now we find that Isaiah, he leaned heavy upon the good king's arm, and now the arm had been taken from him, and the king was dead and died with leprosy in shame. Now Isaiah, uh, during this time, the king being lifted up, well, then his young son was to take the place, and we find out that if this people had got into a, a horrible, immoral stage, when there's no real godly leader, 
then the people begin to get into immorals. I think that's what's the matter with us today in our nation, in our churches and things. We need godly leaders, somebody that sets an example. And, uh, but he let Isaiah know here that she could not uh, look upon man. So Isaiah, one day, as he wandered around, he must have got all weary being noticed, had a great responsibility. He went down to the temple to pray. Now, that's a good thing to do for all of us. Goes down to the temple to pray. Amen. <laughs> Lord, feed your children. I'm glad that there's a good message, a good word that we can always look to. Amen. Musicians can come. We'll stop it there. It's just before nine, so we'll let you all out. God bless you. I just wanted to share that. I felt it just ministered to me. It spoke to me. And I say, Lord, let me take my influence from the Word of God. When, I, when somebody's in, in my sphere and in my circle, when somebody is, is, is somebody I look up to, let me not look too much on man, but let me see Jesus behind that man. Amen. That's, that's what we desire to do. Amen. Let's just stand together. We'll, we'll just say, without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I surely fail.
heads this evening. Just keep playing softly. Just a few simple words tonight. But how many could say, Lord, you spoke to my heart. Lord, I, I'm conscious that I need to be in your presence. I'm conscious that I need you more than anything. I'm conscious, O oh Lord, that I need to be in your word, that I need to be under the sound of the gospel. It's not me saying that I'm a message believer. It's not me saying I'm in the right church, but it's by my works. It's by my, the characteristics and by the spirit that emanates from me. Hallelujah. Oh, friends, when we listen to a service, we don't listen to words. That's right. We listen to the spirit that comes behind the words. Did you feel his spirit today? Did you feel him nudging you a little today? If you say, Lord, I... I receive what you said to me today. You know, it's as simple as that, and you can walk out of here a changed person. Heavenly Father, as we've just heard these few words, just a simple little service, but oh God, how profound. You told that you've hid yourself from the, the wise, the prudent of the world, but unto babes such as would learn. Lord, we sat at your feet to learn tonight to learn of you, to learn of your ways, to know your spirit, to know, Lord, many things come across our way. But, oh God, we want to not just measure it by the intellect that we have in the Word, but we want to measure it by the characteristics, what it's pointing to, what it's leading to. And then, Lord, we also want to be a good influence, not to project ourselves, not to project our own thought, but to project Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, let us be surrendered unto you. Lord, let us be yielded unto you. Lord, may you open our heart, oh, Lord, not just our, 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 our mind, our intellect, but, oh, God, open our heart that we may receive Christ. Thank you for this little service. I pray your blessing on each one that goes from here tonight. I pray that you'll be over each family, over each child. Lord, this, this upcoming weekend, Lord, as different ones will still be traveling, doing different things. 
I pray you'll go with Brother Tito, Brother Ovidio. They'll be traveling to minister at Saskatoon. I pray that you'll be with them, Lord. I pray you'll be with your people as they're traveling down the road or wherever they may be. Lord, may you minister. Lord, we're thankful that we have you, O oh Lord, just to have you. Lord, it means all the world, O oh God. Father, we want you. We want to take you home with us. Lord, I pray you'll bless everyone. Whatever their need is, I pray that you'll meet that need. We know that you are faithful and true. Lord, we thank you tonight. We ask your blessing even now as we sing and will be dismissed. Grant it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just to have you, Lord, just to have you. Oh, just, just to, to have, have you, Lord. Oh, just, just to have you. It's worth Not only him, but my brothers and my sisters. Why don't you greet someone, wish them God's blessings, and you're dismissed. <laughs>